Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. You want a show? We got a show. Welcome to the program as my, oh my, we are getting much closer. It is almost football time in Tennessee. 51 days. So a shout out to number 51, Reggie McKenzie, linebacker back in the day. Knoxville native, went to Austin East. Is uh, graduate brother Reggie McKenzie uh, starred, graduate Reggie McKenzie starred with the Vols in the early 1980s, along with his twin brother, Raleigh McKenzie. Reggie went on to play with the Raiders and was one of the best front office men for quite some time. The McKenzie family is one of the best uh, right up there. Caleb Calhoun with uh, the Barry family, the Colquitt family, and uh, pretty significant uh, stuff and what they contributed uh, to the balls. Also, Greg McElroy with a subdued balls prediction, college football recruiting news with our own Caleb Giroux. Could Northwestern come calling uh, on Tennessee's coaching staff? Might surprise you that I would say yes, but there's a reason why. Who is Tennessee's most hireable assistant coaches and their best coaches all around? Caleb Calhoun, how are you, sir? You look fantastic, as always. Thank you, Dave. Um, I'm doing well. Whenever you bring up the McKenzie family, I just think of uh, Butch Jones' misuse of Khalil McKenzie. I can't ever get past that. One of uh, one of Jones's many misuses. Was he the biggest prospect as far as talked about, as far as pubbed, other than a quarterback of the past fifteen or so years? Because Alvin of his Kamara name, because of his Alvin ranking. Kamara was, Alvin Kamara was talked about a lot when he committed to Tennessee, but I think that was more because he had been at Alabama and he was such a superstar in junior college. But Khalil would be up there. I, I, I might say you might be right. Khalil McKenzie might be the biggest one but the two running backs Kamara and Hurd were pretty high um Drew Richmond remember him I do yeah absolutely offensive lineman yep he was pretty high uh how they talked about Josh Malone was another one that they talked about a lot but now as I'm saying them out loud these are the the biggest names I'm thinking oh Kyle Phillips was another one but yeah you're probably right Khalil McKenzie probably was the biggest prospect and he probably should have been converted to offensive line when he was at Tennessee yes I agree with that and then there was also the um help me there was the the defensive end that was the number one junior college player Jonathan Kongbo yes Yes. who Jones also totally misused (laughs) yeah and I'm not saying any of these guys were the best prospects but McKenzie because of his last name and family ties got a lot of pub Congo Kongbo was it Kongbo or Congo? Kongbo. It was Kongbo. It was Kongbo, yeah. yeah. Kongbo got a lot of pub because he liked talking trash, which he didn't back any of it up. Yes, but in his defense, Butch Jones was tried to force him into the middle at defensive tackle when he was a natural edge rusher. So when he got to Tennessee, he probably should have shaved off 10 pounds and become an edge rusher, and Butch Jones tried to put him put 20 pounds on him to make him a defensive tackle. So, you know. Agreed. And then, and then what about – let me tell you what's happening now. 
Coach uh, O, Ed Orgeron, his agent is leaking news that he could go to Northwestern. I want to get into that a little bit later, but there's not a possible worse fit than Ed Orgeron to Northwestern, right? He would be the least intelligent person in the entire like radius of that school. Honestly, I mean, <laughs> would you not pay money to see Ed Orgeron at Northwestern? North Ed Orgeron at like an academic elite institution. Oh my gosh! Trying to tell those players to go to class. <laughs> wow. I, I want one of those players to ask Ed Orgeron to help them with their advanced AP or their advanced engineering class. You know, yes. engineering three hundred. Yes, uh, I've got a. I'm having a problem uh, in in my four hundred level, my five hundred level journalism class. Could I get some help with that football? <laughs> What's up, Hook? You always say, "What's up, Hook?" Sometimes in the middle of defensive line meetings, boy, that was a bizarre time. It is time for today's tough question. It's brought to you by our friends at Zen Sports Pro Football Focus names Tennessee as one of the 15 teams that could make the college football playoff in 2023. What do you make of that? Today's tough question brought to you by Zen Sports. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. Okay, the question is, and it is on the uh, the Twitter right now is Tennessee as far as making the college football playoff in uh, 2023 we have some feedback from a pro football focus who I think does as good of a job of breaking down football as anybody they have Tennessee as one of the top 15 teams that could make the college football playoff in 2023 so we'll get to today's tough question here momentarily. But first, uh, what do you make of Pro Football Focus saying that Tennessee is one of 15 teams that could make the college football playoff in 2023? That's elite company, but some people will say that that's maybe a little bit uh, too low in terms of being just in the top 15. What do you make of it initially? What do you, what, what is your take, Caleb Callahan? I don't think it's too low because, it, yeah, it's it's – they're what they're doing is they're looking at all the teams that could make the playoff this year. And my take on it really stands out because of what they wrote about Tennessee, because as you and I both know, you're right. Pro football focus is much more analytical. They're much more data driven. You shouldn't rely on them for judging things because there were flaws in their analytics as there are flaws in any analytical method to, to determine football, quite honestly, like none of them are perfect. But one of the things that they're one of the first ones seeing what me and you have said is possible which is they're saying that Tennessee could actually be better than last year. If you break down the recruiting, if you break down the transfers, if you break down who you know is back, then there's a there's an underrated chance Tennessee actually has a better team this year than last year. And I think that's kind of what stands out. And, you know, with guys like Brew McCoy and Oregon transfer Dante Thornton, they're talking about, yes, you lose receivers, but you return a lot of great guys. We're going to have Josh Ward on the show later to talk about Vols winning postseason awards. And he mentioned, hey – Last year, Jalen Hyatt wasn't the favorite to be the best receiver at Tennessee. So in Josh Heupel's system, these stars are coming out of nowhere in reality. And so I think PFF recognizes that more than most. And they have Tennessee as one of 
four SEC teams that could make the college football playoff, the other three being the three obvious, Alabama, Georgia, LSU. So, I mean, that's not bad company. It's not. Okay, so let me ask you today's tough question. Is that too high or too low? Is that praise or shade that they're in the uh, among 15 teams that could make the college football playoff in 2023? Praise or shade? Should they be a little bit higher? Caleb Calhoun, what say you? Well, I mean, I guess if I don't I don't want to say they're lower because we don't know if PFF had done just 10, if Tennessee would have been in that or not. So maybe I guess is this too many teams that are competing? But I would say no. I think it's just right because, again, they're not ranking these teams. It's just the 15. And I think it's fair to say that you have about a collection of about 15 teams that could make the CFP any given year. So I I, I don't know how you think about that. I think I think you're right at about 15. You know, like in the NBA – there's any NBA year, there's four teams that can win it. There's never more than four that have a realistic shot at winning into the finals in the NBA. And whereas in baseball and the NFL, it could be anybody, but NBA is never more than four college football, never more than 15. Yeah. And I think the number is probably a little bit lower in teams that could win it. I think it's more along the lines of 10. So I, I'm going to say that just making the top 15, maybe not it, maybe it's not shade, but it's nothing that you should brag about because I think Tennessee is in the position of being a top 10 to 12 team. So it might not be shade, but I don't know that it's massive praise. Um, It it is, it is a football team in in Tennessee that has to answer a question at quarterback. So that's always going to knock you a little bit down in an analyst list that has lost a significant number of guys to the NFL. But I will, I will say this. I think that uh, Tennessee and in my humble opinion is a top 12 type of team to make the college football playoff. And if if you don't have them in that level, then I would be surprised. So top 10 to 12, top 15 is fine. Uh, Go through, if you can, the other teams that are in the SEC that could end up uh, making the college football playoff according to uh, Pro Football Focus, and it's brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares on Zen Sports. What you see is what you get in their cash rewards program. You get a lot of cash. For a welcome bonus, earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with the promo code HOOKED. That's right, HOOKED, H-O-O-K-E-D, unlimited. cash back when you use that. Keep betting, keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that and refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports is bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. The other teams from the SEC that are thought to be College football playoff participants, according to Pro Football Focus, are? They are. And if Tennessee is going to be in the top 10 to 12, like you said, they won't supplant any of these teams because they are Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. Again, no no surprise to anybody else that, that those three would be in there. I think it stands out, and it's good respect that Tennessee is in there with them, given that Tennessee has more questions than the other three right now and i know everybody's gonna be like oh well tennessee beat lsu 40 to 13 last year in death valley uh, but dave you and i know that was a 11 a.m kickoff for lsu and the game it was before they had really hit their stride and the game got out of hand way early because of a bunch of crazy things that happened 
So I, I don't think if they play I just, in, love it when, I just love it when you go your crazy British voice. Well, that's that's when I'm saving that for when people have sanctimonious thoughts. Okay. That's like this isn't a sanctimonious Good word. Thought, okay. Yes. I, I hate a sorry the college football. Five fan. Syllable word of the day. Hey now. <laughs> Apologies to college football fans, but some of y'all are really dumb and sanctimonious about your teams when you think your team doesn't cheat and when you think your team has integrity and when you think your coach cares about his player development and when you think your players are just the most decent, kind-hearted, spiritual people in the world. Yeah, y'all are dumb when you think that. <laughs> I think there's a lot of truth to that. I didn't think Tennessee's in a unique position where this is a destination job for, for Josh Heupel. Um, and I do think, and I'm not just saying this, uh, that, that there's – uh, a lot of positive vibes around Tennessee because I, I think that Josh Heupel Dragon either, energy. <laughs> yeah, Josh Heupel either genuinely loves his players, and, and I believe he does at this point, or that's the best recruiting sales pitch of all time because it's uh, starting uh, to take note or is it take effect. Um, and I think that um, you're right, though. A lot of – 90% of the college football coaches would up and bolt. We talked about Shiano recently, how he uh, left his uh, entire staff to go recruit by themselves. We've seen what Lane Kiffin has done. I think Tennessee's in a unique uh, position in terms of that. So uh, Tennessee, one of the 15 teams that could make the college football playoff in 2023. I'll say that that's fair. And uh, I'm actually going to reset today's tough question. Am I allowed to do that? Because the post is on Twitter and I want to adhere to that if we can. So can I just reset today's tough question? Am I allowed to do that, Caleb? Sure. Okay. All right. Greg McElroy of College Football News Network, whatever he's uh, with nowadays, predicts nine games uh, for Tennessee as far as wins. He says Tennessee, quote, will – uh, being a, a bit of a correction and ranks them number 18, says they'll be around nine and three. He cites losing Hendon Hooker, uh, the top two receivers that we know of, uh, of course, uh, Hyatt and Cedric Tillman, two offensive linemen, the most significant of which I don't think there's any question uh, is Darnell Wright that they lost. So uh, let's reset today's tough question as uh here we go what about that today's tough question brought to you by andy mason andy mason real estate.com today's tough question take a side take a stand the dave hooker show a presentation of off the hook sports.com all right so on the twitter i posted it this morning if you haven't hit the like and subscribe button please do so so let's uh, go to the Twitter poll if we can, Caleb. Cite that for me that I posted this morning. So what have we got so far as far as reaction to a possible 9-3 and three season, Caleb Calhoun? Where are our percentages? 81.8% say still trending upward. 18. If, Tennessee point- finish, if Tennessee finishes 9-3. and three. Correct. 18.2% say success. Zero percent say disaster or concern. Okay, so we continue to fill that out throughout the day. What do you think on the message board? 
Uh, give us the four choices again, Caleb, if you can, and then we'll get your thoughts on the message board as far as Tennessee. If they were to finish nine and three, is it time to sound the alarm? Still trending upwards. What are our choices exactly again? Disaster, concern, still trending upwards, and success. Still trending upwards is dominating. Success is second. All right. Where would If you had to choose between the four, what would it be? I would actually say concern, and I'll tell you why. One of the marks of coaching, and I'm going to say this on a broader sense, and this is actually something I want to I, I would I'm going to talk about in the future, not for today's show. But Dave, you know this: the gap between the talent level of coaches in general is the line is much thinner than people think. Little things that write the narrative change the whole nature of recruiting in college football. You agree with me on that, right? Like just yes. the tiniest things. It changed the narrative. If Josh Heupel goes nine and three this year, immediately every coach is going to jump on and say, Hey, Tennessee regressed. They were just a flash in the pan. That narrative is going to be just enough to hurt them in recruiting beyond where they don't need to be hurt. They need to get, they need to match what they did last year. And an example I bring up is a, a more extreme, a more extreme case of this was Philip Fulmer. Not, it was self-inflicted. Fulmer did it to himself. But I will say where Fulmer was hurt was a lot of the media, national media coverage about Fulmer losing control of the program in the mid-2000s killed recruiting for Tennessee. I remember 2007. They won the East in 2007, but they started the year like 1-2 and two or 3-2 and two or whatever and went unranked. And there were a bunch of national stories like Fulmer's lost it. I think that wrecked the 2008 recruiting class because that whole narrative was out there as Fulmer was trying to recruit. And so it didn't matter that he came back and won the East. And so little things like that, can, just the tiniest thing can mess up. I'm going to tell you why I think it would be concerning. And it's brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Andymasonrealestate.com is in North Knoxville, but can service the entire Knoxville area. Andymasonrealestate.com is my realtor. He should be yours. Best service, best prices in the biz. And... AndyMasonRealEstate.com is where you need to go if you want uh, to save money and have the best service. Let me tell you why right now that it is it would be concerning. And uh, Travis hit on it on our message board. Uh, Travis says, oh, but next year would be the uh, – oh, that's the wrong one. There we go. All right. So it says, considering our schedule, it would be concerning to lose three. Yeah, the schedule is the difference to me. If you would have told me that – uh, Tennessee is looking at a nine and three season when Josh Heupel was hired and they're going to be nine and three in 2023. I think everybody would have said that's fantastic, but with the schedule and what Tennessee showed last year, it would be disconcerting. Uh, and I'm not saying overly disconcerting. Now I'm taking out of the equation, mass injuries or a coach leaves in the middle of the season because some scant, well, that would be disconcerting as well. But let's take out injuries. Um, let's take out fluky, crazy plays where Tennessee might slip up and lose to an A&M or a South Carolina. If Tennessee loses to Alabama and Georgia, there's no great concern in that. Um, Tennessee is knocking on the door as long as they're in those games. I think that's fine. That's understandable. You're not going to have a streak, I don't believe, where you beat 
Alabama 10 years in a row again. You're not going to dominate Georgia like Tennessee did in the 90s. So uh, I think it, aside from injuries, I think it would be seriously concerning if Tennessee went nine and three. Uh, I'm not saying fire the coach, but I think that that would mean a couple of things. It would mean Josh Heupel didn't handle the quarterback situation correctly or Josh Heupel's offense has been figured out to some extent. That's disconcerting if if that if that if one of those two things happens because in my opinion it would be the second time he didn't play the best quarterback or or handle the quarterback situation correctly. So for those reasons, yeah, I think 9 and 3 even though that might sound crazy uh, off a program that was in total disarray just a couple of years ago, I think that would be disconcerting, Caleb. Yeah, it, 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 I agree. Now, it, 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 that's where I'm talking about where I bring up, you got to start wondering, could he, he becomes dangerously close to going the Gus Malzahn tra- trajectory if he goes 9-3 and three this year. Now, you don't want to use that. And for those that are younger or, or may, may, might not give, get your reference, I get it, but explain what that means. So Gus Malzahn came to Auburn in 2013 and immediately went took a 3-9 and nine team and went 12-2, and two, won the SEC, had – the greatest regular season game in the history of college football when Alabama beat all or when Auburn beat Alabama went to the national title and was a play away from winning it. Never came close to matching that the next year went eight and five, then stumbled to seven and six, eight and five, 10 and four, eight and five, nine and four, six and four. And then was then fired because he can never match that first year. I think what happened was because Auburn had such a drop off in 2014, that really hurt them in recruiting because the thing is Auburn is not, I, I don't know. If, I think Tennessee's in a better position than Auburn, but Tennessee's not a Georgia. They're not an Alabama, and they're not an LSU. And what I mean is they're not as uniquely positioned to just easily fall out of bed and get a top-five class the way those schools are. So if you have a bit of a drop-off year, you kind of got – it can really kind of hurt you in recruiting, and, and that hurt Gus Malzahn a lot. Now, what you bring up is kind of interesting because you have compared Josh – we've both compared – if Josh Heupel is anybody, it's he's the new Steve Spurrier of the SEC. And funny enough, there's a bit of history here, Dave. You probably remember this. Florida wins the SEC in 91. That's their first SEC title with Spurrier. That's his second year on the job with Shane Matthews. They enter 92 in the top five, expected to take a huge step forward, and they actually have a bit of a drop-off. They go 9-4, and four, barely finish in the top 10. That was the year that – Fulmer and Heath Schuler upset Florida in the rain. And so, I mean, Spurrier did have a drop-off that year. And then Danny Warfel came the next year, and he took that, that absolutely dominated the SEC. What year was that rain game again? 92. Spurrier's yeah. third year. I can tell you, because I was a student at the University of Tennessee, and that rain wasn't predicted. And there might have been an awful lot of uh, co-eds that were wearing white shirts that day in the student section. <laughs> So what was more well, – well, okay. I thought, I thought to myself, this college thing, man, this has got it going on. Football – and I hadn't, I hadn't met my wife yet. Football and um, a, uh, basically a wet T-shirt contest at Neyland Stadium is what that, that day was. And you know, it's, you know how you know you're an SEC hardcore fan? If you're at this game and you're a Tennessee fan and you're debating on looking at the wet T-shirts or enjoying Tennessee putting it on Florida. You don't know which one's more entertaining to look at. <laughs> You throw in Guns and Roses, and I'd, I, it would have been the perfect, absolute perfect day. But, yes, <laughs> wet t-shirt contest at Neyland Stadium and Tennessee beat. Wasn't ABC – well, my understanding was ABC's telecast was knocked off the air that day 
And uh, if I remember, that was Todd Kelly's breakout game on defense. I don't remember, but I've read about it. Yes, and uh, was it uh, Rhett, the running back for Florida? I remember him getting stuff thrown at him, which is not a Tennessee tradition and shouldn't happen, but I remember it happening two minutes and we'll visit with Josh Ward. Hang with us, Josh. We greatly appreciate it. Josh of the sports animal. And we're going to discuss what players on Tennessee's football team could win awards. Hey, you got a Blitnikoff last year and a Heisman trophy was in the conversation. So it could happen two minutes and we visit with the one, the only Josh Ward. Stay tuned off the hook sports. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986, each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us, Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. That's officially going to be a part of Josh Ward's segment because he likes Norm McDonald. So what the H, I don't even care if it fits. It's going to be a part of Josh Ward's segment. Josh Ward of the Sports Animal joins us now. We're going to discuss some Tennessee players that could win some big time awards. First of all, Josh got a fantastic haircut. Thank you. Uh, while I still have it, I want to make sure it looks good. Yeah. Did you do something different? New person or something? No, shout out to Sonia. She's been cutting my hair for a long time. Okay. So for the record, I'm very particular about who cuts my hair. There's probably only three people who've cut my hair more than three times in my life. 
Um, so once I, if I move, I find somebody new, but I'm very particular. Are you guys that way or are you just okay with just rolling in and whoever does it? So I've only had one other person cut my hair in the last, you know, probably close to 15 years. And that was when Sonia was away for maybe a couple of weeks and it was right in that time where I needed to get a haircut. So she had someone that she trusted cut my hair. So I haven't had anybody besides her in that time. Sonia doesn't need to be taking vacations. I'll go ahead and tell you that. Well, we've talked about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, and, and at that time, there was no real camera opportunity for Josh. Now there's more pressure. So, yeah, that's absolutely uh, right. Yeah, so she stepped her game up uh, just like you know, when game six would roll around for MJ. That's when you got him at his best. Same for Sonia. Yeah, absolutely. So do you... Do you and you should get a free haircut or two for a shout out on the air. So there you go. All right. So Josh Ward of the Sports Animal, noon to three each and every day. He is fantastic. Uh, we love having him on in his column on balls that could win a big time awards is uh, up or will be up shortly on offthehooksports.com. And Josh, it is funny that, you know, had we had this conversation a year ago, and I'm going to stop doing this because the program has changed, but I'm going to do it one last time. If I would have mentioned Heisman, Remington, Blitnikoff, we would have all said that's crazy. Tennessee's nowhere close to that point. But after what we saw last year with uh, Jalen Hyatt winning the Blitnikoff and uh, with uh, Hendon Hooker being in contention for the Heisman, and I think would have gone to New York had it not been for the injury, Tennessee's going to be in the conversation of these awards. I don't think there's any question. Yeah, I put Brew McCoy on the list with the Blitnikoff, and I put two guys on the list for two different reasons. Dante Thornton is the other. And with Brew, I mentioned in there the projected number one. Let's assume he is that for the conversation. The projected number one has to be in the conversation for the Blitnikoff Award every year with Josh Heupel as the head coach. It's easy to forget, but this time a year ago and through the first few weeks of the season, Cedric Tillman was on the radar for the Blitnikoff Award. Jalen Hyatt wasn't, but then Tillman suffered the injury and Hyatt blew up and took off and he ended up winning the award. That's why Dante was also on the list because he's the guy that right now doesn't really belong in the national discussion for the Bolitnikoff Award, but neither did Jalen 12 months ago. And then he ended up winning it. So in this offense, it's going to produce the results. And then the Remington top center in the country, Cooper Mays is terrific, and he's an important player on Tennessee's football team. He's one of the most important players. There's no question about that for Tennessee. So if the Vols continue to have success offensively and he continues to be at the center of that, well, then Cooper's going to get some attention as well. Josh, one of the ones you had on here that surprised me actually a little bit was you had Jalen Wright winning a Doke Walker. And I thought if there was a running back that was going to win a Doke Walker, would why would why not have Jabari Small or Dylan Sampson? Why have Wright? Well, it's going to be difficult for any of Tennessee's running backs because they're all going to factor into the offense. But what if injury occurs? Injury is what allowed Jalen Hyatt the opportunity to then take it and run with it to get the Bolitnikoff. Jabari Smalls dealt with injuries the last couple of seasons. He's played through injuries, so he deserves a ton of credit. But he's more likely, I think, to have something happen that would limit his ability to put up the numbers. I don't think he's going to have the opportunity. Again, going in, I don't project that Jalen's going to have enough carries to get enough yards and enough touchdowns. But he did lead Tennessee in rushing last year. He did average six yards a carry 
still put up 10 touchdowns. Small had the most at 13. But if Wright gets even more opportunity, I think the upside is a lot higher for him. The trust is probably still more with Wright as compared to somebody like Dylan Sampson, who also is an important piece of this backfield and this offense with his explosive ability. On our uh, radio show a few weeks ago, we were talking about who could explode onto the scene, and I said Dylan Sampson because of his home run ability. But at the running back spot where Tennessee is going to rely on this season, we talked so much about the passing game, and we should, but the running game is going to drive a lot of what this offense does. I think Jalen Wright is the best choice there. So let's go through the list of of possibilities that uh, Josh's column uh, uh, illustrates, and that is Cooper Mays with the Remington Award, D. Williams with the uh, Jet Award, um, Brew McCoy with the Blitnikoff Award, Dante Thornton with the Blitnikoff Award. These are all possibilities. Josh isn't projecting all these. It'd be a heck of a year if Tennessee won all these. (laughs) (laughs) I I bet they win at least 10 games again if they go 10 for 10, especially if they have two players split the Blitnikoff. That'd be crazy. (laughs) I'd be, I'd be really impressed. For the first time in Blitnikoff history, they have split the award. Aaron Beasley with the uh, Dick Butkus Award. Uh, Omari Thomas with the Outland Trophy. Jalen Wright, possibility for the Doak Walker Award. And Danico Slaughter with the Jim Thorpe Award. Charles Campbell, Lou Groves Award. Uh, and then I want to get to Joe Milton in a second. But out of that group, what do you think is is the greatest realistic possibility if, if you had to pick one of those? Well, I would typically say Belitnikov, but I also don't think they're going to go back-to-back and win the award. I think if Marvin Harrison stays healthy, he's going to get it at Ohio State because I think he's the best wide receiver, and uh, he will go in getting so much attention and hype, and they're going to win a lot of games. Maybe this sounds crazy, but I'll say Joe Milton because the competition at center for the Remington is is probably going to be really tough, and it's difficult to to make your case. If you have the team success and the stats, it's easier to put together a case that then gets attention with the Heisman Trophy. So I know I'm picking an award that Tennessee's never won, but Tennessee had never won the Blitnikoff a year ago. The case for Joe would be the offense is established and everyone around the nation pays attention to it. If the team has success, they're going to have to win these games against the high-level teams. They don't have to go 12-0, and 0, but you know, probably 11-1. and 1. But let's say they do that. Joe's going to have monster numbers. He is a guy that's going to get a lot of attention with his size. He is a marketable player. And there is the story of, well, he was the starter a couple of years ago. Then Hendon Hooker ended up with the job. Then Joe waited his turn. And I think this summer we've seen a lot of people start to say, hey, what about Joe Milton in a bounce-back opportunity? Then you have the hype videos of him launching the football. I mean, he's probably going to have – if. We're talking about him realistically being in the race for the Heisman. He's going to have a couple of jaw-dropping bombs that he's going to toss to Squirrel or Dante Thornton or Ramel Keaton in this offense. And you're going to see those over and over again in the highlight reel. All of these are pretty much long shots if you look at the odds to win these awards. But which one's most realistic? Crazy as it sounds, I'm going to say the Heisman Trophy. Is anybody... Okay, I mean, sorry to interrupt, Caleb. Is anybody a little sick of hearing about how strong Joe Milton's arm is. And do you think that Joe Milton might be sick of hearing about that? Maybe a little bit, but (laughs) I mean, it's kind of like, okay, I'll give you a comparison, Josh. Tell me if this is a reach, but I lost a little bit of weight a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. and people haven't seen me at the gym. It's now been two years. 
and they say, oh, you lost a lot of weight. Great job. Which is also a backhanded way of saying you used to be really fat. <laughs> so I mean, that's what that is. So with Joe Milton, it's kind of a backhanded way of saying, well, you lack some touch and accuracy. Well, that is the the uh, cynical follow-up that a lot of people have had right. is, yeah, we knew that you could throw the football really far at Michigan and in your first year at Tennessee. The problem was that people weren't catching it, and that's really what it's about is anybody can just throw the football <laughs> a certain distance. It's about the completion, like uh, a reservation at a car rental company. So for Joe, yeah, uh, it, there's been a lot of it, but he plans to go out there and complete those passes and put up the numbers. And it's an NIL world in college, and he is trying to project to the NFL right now. And those wow throws, the video from, what, five or six weeks ago at a, a camp or, or, or training session where he was, where he launched the football, and then two weeks ago at the Manning Passing Academy where everybody stops to watch and Peyton Manning's a part of the hype of it and everybody is wowed by what he does. NFL teams pay attention to that. So, yeah, I think Joe is eager to go out and show that he can do more than just throw the football farther than anyone else in college football. But that is getting the attention of a lot of people who will then tune in to see him complete those passes and win those games and put up those numbers as he intends to do. I love this line and take over, Caleb. I'm stealing this. Rocky Top Tom says Joe could overthrow the flash. <laughs> that's, I mean, Josh, that's you're a radio guy. You love to turn a phrase. You've got the bad dad jokes. Um, <laughs> they are bad. Sorry. What? What? Huh? <laughs> but that's pretty good. Out throw the overthrow the flash. That's pretty good. That is really good. I'll also uh, steal that at some point. Maybe I'll come up with somebody else that would be similar. Um, so it's not the flash exactly, but that's as good as it gets right there. As far as the Justice League, I oftentimes get, you know, he's as good looking as Superman, but not, not the Flash thing. Caleb, go ahead. <laughs> well, when you were talking about the backhanded compliment by Joe Milton, uh, with, for Joe Milton, that's like when uh, somebody says their partner, they love their partner because they're so loyal. I'm like, they're saying you're not pretty. That's why they're saying you're loyal. <laughs> saying she, you're has not- a, she has a great personality. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Josh, uh, sticking with the Joe Milton thing, it's funny. You, I felt like you read my mind because I kind of agree with you with the Heisman moment because I talked to Dave about this a couple of days ago and I wanted to get your thoughts. I think one thing that's – we all agree. If the Heisman voting had been done a week after the Tennessee-Alabama game last year, Hendon Hooker's winning it. No questions asked because of what happened in that game. Well, what if Joe Milton does the same thing against Georgia this year, which is the next-to-last game of the season? And I think one of the reasons Tennessee's never had a Heisman winner – is because for the longest period of time, their November schedule was horrible. I mean, it was Vanderbilt, Kentucky, homecoming game, whatever. And that when you get the chance to have those moments, Tennessee is just trying to get through those games. Do you think that do you think playing like a Georgia November really helps increases the likelihood that Joe Milton could win a Heisman? Well, let's assume that beating Georgia is on the prerequisites for Joe to go out and win the award. Well, then absolutely. Because if beating Georgia is happening November 18th, it's going to be getting so much more attention than it would two months earlier. Get plenty of attention in September like the Tennessee-Florida game does. But then a lot of football happens after that, and a lot of conversations and narratives begin elsewhere, and it's more difficult to hold on 
to that talk. If it happens November 18th and Tennessee beats Georgia, and let's also assume that game is is a huge game, because again, if Joe's in the Heisman race, Tennessee's got a, a great record, and I just can't imagine Georgia's not one of the highest-ranked teams in the country. Well, then it's going to have a huge buildup, and then it's going to have a ton of reaction. He'll be getting talk on game day the following weekend, which is closing out the regular season, and then Tennessee's really playing for something at that point. So, yes, Georgia being at that point in the year can be great for Tennessee as a team, assuming it's had success up to that point, and it would aid Joe Milton's Heisman race. You have to go out and the 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 accomplishments that he has to earn and let's say winning that Georgia game, I mean that that's the case no matter where it is on the schedule. So if it's later in the schedule, it can only benefit him if he does what we're saying he needs to do. Uh, and then we have somebody on the message board that says if Joe stood at the mouth of Montauk Point Long Island, he could land a football in uh, uh, Munster, Ireland. Well, that doesn't help if Squirrel White's running in the middle of the Atlantic. I mean, you got to be able to hit the receiver too, right, Josh? What is Dante Thornton's broad jump? <laughs> I think it's like 10-2. I don't know. Actually, I, actually, I know that for some reason, but I do. Um <laughs> Yeah, but Josh, I, I do think that, and, and you've been around the, the Peyton Manning years, and you've been around a lot of years. I do think that there is kind of a blah to the, the that's been a part of Tennessee season as far as a Heisman candidate. And Caleb brought this up the other day. I do think that that's been more of a factor than maybe we've for because if Peyton Manning goes out for three throws, throws for three hundred and fifty yards against Vanderbilt, everybody says that's what you're supposed to do. So. I don't know if it's better for the team to have Georgia early or late, have a great opponent early or late, but as far as a Heisman campaign, it, it, it's got to help, I would think. Yeah, it, it just uh, it, it definitely doesn't hurt, and I do think it helps the timing. When does Michigan play Ohio State? End of the season, right? Well, Charles Woodson, do you think he benefited from his performance against Ohio State? Uh, if we're going to bring up who Tennessee's playing versus a competitor in the Heisman race is going up against – so, uh, you know, let's assume Caleb Williams is back in the race. They're going to play some big games late. Uh, so I, I just I, I think the bigger the stage, the better the opportunity is for you if you go out and succeed. If they go out and lose to Georgia, then it doesn't matter when that game is. It's, you know, it's really going to hurt Joe's case. And he has to do everything leading up to it. But if Tennessee is winning and Joe Milton is healthy, then Joe Milton's going to put up really big numbers because of what this offense is. And then Tennessee's going to be ranked high. And it's not going to feel fluky either because Tennessee just did it a year ago and had a top five Heisman finisher who would have ranked higher probably if not for the injury. And they had a Blitnikoff Award winner. And they have a coach who's a pretty big name in college football and Josh Heupel with his history in the sport. So Tennessee is back in the conversation. And Joe Milton, he's also, I mentioned it, he's a really marketable guy. He is a he's a he's just a, a massive figure. He's going to stand out at SEC Media Days when he walks in the room. He's got a big smile. And when he's throwing the football and he's blowing a kiss to his mom in the stands after uh, a big 50, 60 yard pass, that's going to get caught by the cameras and it's going to circulate through social media and Sports Center and everywhere else. So it, it, a lot of it is about selling yourself. And Joe Milton, I think, will naturally be able to sell himself if he has the results to connect to his name. Yeah, Agreed. but what stands out, one of the interesting things is um, when you look, if you track the history of Heisman voting, 
the most important weekend of Heisman voting is the Saturday before Thanksgiving. That's the games they weigh the most. I feel like most of them turn in their ballots before Thanksgiving because they don't want to work. And a lot of them don't believe conference championship games should be a factor. There's still that old school belief, which hurt Peyton Manning in 97, by the way, because anybody who watched the SEC title game, if you valued that at all, Peyton Manning would have gotten the Heisman Trophy because that there's no way you could watch that game and think that Woodson deserved it over Peyton Manning. But a lot of them turned it in two weeks before when Woodson balled out against Ohio State. You're right, Josh. It's a intriguing point. So thinking about that, uh, looking at a couple of other ones, just real quick. I'm shocked you had anybody winning the Thorpe Award on this list. I'm sorry. I just find that hilarious. How did you think somebody could win that award at Tennessee? (laughs) Well, uh, what did I write with it? Uh, Admission, this is a tough sell. So I was, (laughs) you know, I was, I was also trying to be transparent and honest with the audience as much as I could. Like um, Charles Campbell for the Lou Groza. Tennessee scores too many touchdowns for the place kicker to have much of an opportunity. But what if he had some game-winning kicks? Uh, I love I love Slaughter. I love the way he plays. He I just, he, yeah, he loves to hit people. So if this Tennessee, the case that I made for Danico is that if Tennessee's defense is better, well then the secondary has to be better. And if the secondary is better, then I think Slaughter is an important part of that. And he has shown the ability to make big plays by delivering hits and picking off opposing passes. And if he's able to do that, if he's able to get a pick six or two and Tennessee's defense is better, and again, they rank high, team success is just a requirement for any of these awards that we're talking about, then maybe he gets himself into the conversation. But if you're looking for – if you find some wild Thorpe Award betting market, I I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily (laughs) spend too much time or put too much of an investment into Danico or any Tennessee defensive back – he, he, there is no Eric Berry on this football team, so it's going to be tough. But choosing a player and trying to diversify the different awards that at least could be on the radar, Danico is such an important player. He's a guy that has worked really hard and clearly improved, and I expect to improve even more this year. Yes, and if you do that, though, if you do place your Lou Groza or whatever Jim Thorpe award, do it at Zen Sports. <laughs> Download the app now. Uh, Zen Sports Gambling Drill there in uh, Tennessee and Cashback Rewards as well. Um, Josh, use the promo code HOOKED, promo code HOOKED. And uh, Josh, what would be bigger for this program now that we're in kind of happy land? Um, Because would it be Joe Milton winning the Heisman or anybody winning the Jim Thorpe Award, which goes to the top defensive back? That's a, that is an interesting way of looking at it. Would you rather have the Heisman or the Thorpe Award? Because if you have a Thorpe Award winner, that likely means more, more toward the success route for Tennessee because you know Joe could be top five in the Heisman, and that means they're doing well. But if they have a Thorpe Award winner, I think it means you're undefeated. Better. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, <laughs> but couldn't there also couldn't? It also but also, if like- he's winning, but if he's winning the Heisman, then Tennessee's winning probably at least eleven games. I think there's a good chance of that. Are they going 10 and 2 and Joe wins the Heisman? Probably not. It's such a team award connected to the quarterback. So, despite the great great uh zag you're making to the conversation, I'm going to go back to the Heisman because you know what also Tennessee doesn't have a Heisman trophy winner. So, if the, I think they have a national championship shot and they have a Heisman winner to celebrate and more recruits that will come to the program. They they can recruit better with a Heisman winner than a Thorpe Award winner with all due respect to the award. 
also you could have a really really bad secondary and they just keep throwing one guy's way all the time so he gets a lot of interceptions <laughs> but he gives up lots of yards the, i mean i'm gonna say Dave yeah, I mean, tennessee, gonna, yeah tennessee went uh would they go seven and five when eric berry won the thorpe so doesn't yeah. necessarily lead to a playoff spot i didn't think i'm gonna say that. it makes yeah. Deion, this is, i've looked at some stats and i've always claimed Deion sanders was overrated because jerry rice would always get 100 yards 150 yards on him every single time and so did michael Irvin. and everyone's like oh but he got an interception or two but it's like yeah but he would always give up 100 100 or 200 yards to the best receivers that's crazy have you watched Deion sanders play football are we talking he, about the, the corner that played for the Falcons and the 49ers and the Cowboys? Yes, or is this yes. a different go, Deion Sanders? Go track his stats. Go track his stats versus elite receivers. Go track his stats versus elite receivers. They almost always went over 100 yards against him. Always. Yeah. Cra- uh, Caleb craziness afoot. He'd rather get, way, he, was, he cared more about Deion the interception than he did stopping them from gaining yards. Killed my line. I was going to say craziness afoot. By the way, Deion Sanders doesn't have to lose any appendages i can say that as a guy that doesn't have a pinky toe we're on the same level there we both lost a, an appendage yeah, it's, a, it's a valuable appendage toby was able to get hers back it's my second side fill reference of the day uh but yeah uh i'm gonna i'm still gonna stick to the side of dion was was great yeah i think he was, he was pretty good but Dion gave up yards just so he could get his interception Oh gosh! All right, Josh. But, I don't know. Look, one thing I'm going to throw in there, and there's a, I think there's a viral cut of him just retelling the story. But uh, when he was playing, this was maybe was this later in his career? I don't remember the spot. Maybe it was with the Cowboys, Dave. You might remember exactly. But uh, w- at which point it doesn't matter. But uh, Dion screwed up on a play on defense and allowed a touchdown. And he came over to the sideline and said, "Miscommunication. That was on me. I gave it up." But he was also returning, so they kicked the ball off to Dion. Actually, maybe it was early. Maybe it was when he was with the Falcons. But again, either way, uh, they kick the ball off to Dion and he takes it to the house for the touchdown and goes back to the sideline and said, there, I got it back. That's Dion Sanders. <laughs> Thank you. So, Josh so Ward... Saying officially- that Dion Sanders was a net zero in, in terms of benefit. Josh Ward officially <laughs> says that Danico Slaughter is the next Dion Sanders. You can follow his writing on offthehooksports.com and noon to three on the sports animal. He is fantastic. Josh, thank you, sir. Next week, why Steph Curry's shooting. Ah, is it really all that great? We'll, <laughs> no, we'll take no, a look. no, no, no. Uh, Dion Sanders was the Allen Iverson of the NFL. Well, he's pulling so up Iverson's- five feet behind the three-point line. Nobody's there to defend the shot. It's too Allen easy. Iver- Deion Sanders' stat line is like Allen Iverson scoring. AI scoring is so overrated because he took way too many shots and he was actually a drawback for his teams there. Yeah. AI, the, the, the AI. 5'11 guy that yeah. was stepping the, over defenders in the NBA Finals? What are we the doing? The kid named Matumbo got them to the Finals, not AI. You know, Muhammad Ali, footwork, overrated. I don't, you know, <laughs> why, I think those Jordan, videos are sped up. I don't. <laughs> why Jordan wasn't that clutch. <laughs> oh man! Some people said he yeah. wasn't until '89. Oh, there he goes. It took '89. It took it took that shot over the cows before people were saying that. I you've read the SI articles. People said Jordan wasn't a winner in his in his. He, as a matter of fact, there was an SI column that said at one point Jordan's a scoring champion, but not a champion. It's a yes. freezing cold take, but. <laughs> Why Tom Brady is overrated. All right. Uh, great stuff, Josh. We'll let you out of here. Thank you, sir. You know that Dell Earnhardt? I, I don't know. We'll see you guys. <laughs> see you. Was better than Dion.
Cynthia Josh, Josh Ward. Uh, his column is up or will be shortly. And also listen to him noon to three on the sports animal. Coming up. Um, hey, do you think Dion tackle you? Because he couldn't tackle either. You think you think you think you could elude? I don't think he wanted to tackle anybody because he realized that's not where the money was made. Should Tennessee be worried about losing an assistant as Northwestern is going to be looking for coaches at a really odd time? I'm going to tell you why you should at least be concerned in exactly two minutes. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the Sports. Sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment, like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we wanna be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. When you want a hard cider that's easy to enjoy, one that's crafted to perfection, you need Tennessee Cider Company. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. With a selection of ciders free to sample, all it takes is one taste. Visit TNCiderCompany.com for more information, as well as to shop our ciders and merchandise online. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m. Um, who's this guy? Hello, Wizard! The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. All righty, so you got the Northwestern situation. And first of all, if anybody was mistreated, I, I absolutely hate that. For young people, I mean, I guess technically you're an adult at 18, but goodness gracious, you can be put in the wrong situation and bad things could happen. But you're you're at a really weird time in the calendar of college football. And here's why Tennessee should be somewhat concerned that Northwestern could eventually come calling for one of their coaches, Caleb. And uh, the reason is because you're at a weird time in the college football calendar. So you you certainly have guys locked up in contracts, but a lot of these contracts say that if, as long as it's a 
not a lateral move, you could be hired away. So it's very similar to how Lane Kiffin got the USC job. They went to everybody before Lane Kiffin, Sarkeesian, Jack Del Rio, um, basically everybody but Pete Carroll, who landed them in NCAA issues. So they went to everybody before they got to Lane Kiffin. It was a very odd time to try to hire a football coach um, because if you remember, most of the coaches have been hired at that point and Pete Carroll uh, left at a strange time. So should Tennessee be worried about somebody from Northwestern calling for one of their coaches? I say, yeah. I mean, I, I think that any program that's had success over the past couple of years should be concerned. Caleb? I don't think they should, and I'll tell you why. Northwestern's not going to call a defensive assistant for Tennessee because in, and outside of Rodney Garner, there's no defensive assistant yet that has proven themselves to be, should we say, elite on Tennessee, and they're not going to be able to prove that in the near future because the system, even if you are a great defensive coordinator, you're not going to look like one in Tennessee's system. So Tim Binks isn't getting hired, even though you and I both agree he's a great coordinator. If you're on offense – where you might get called, if you have a functional brain, you're not taking the Northwestern job because you would realize very quickly you have a much better chance to build your coaching profile staying as an assistant at Tennessee and getting a job somewhere else down the road than going to this toxic brand that is Northwestern right now, which is – it's not as toxic as like Penn State or something, but it is scandal-ridden. You're following the best coach, the most beloved coach in program history, and it's one of the – five worst jobs in college football. And so wouldn't you be better off staying as an assistant at Tennessee and doing what Alex Golish did, getting the job at South Florida, maybe another really high profile group of five school that could be very, very good comes calling. I mean, I think if, and if an assistant, if an offensive assistant at Tennessee is dumb enough to take the Northwestern job, then they're not smart enough to be on Josh Heupel's staff. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. Okay. I, I see where you're going. I w- if Alex Golish hadn't left, I would be very concerned. I, I, if if he were the offensive coordinator still at Tennessee, I would be concerned if, if I were Tennessee. Now, it's not concerned that you're losing a guy. I think Alex Golish is replaceable. I think Josh Heupel, it's his, ho- his offense. But when I look at Tennessee staff, you're right. Banks isn't going to get consideration. Garner's probably a little bit long in the tooth to get that type of job, which is – really a rebuilding job all over again under Pat Fitzgerald. They went one and 11 last year and Tennessee's replacement for uh, Golish and uh, Alec Ablin. I mean, we're, we're talking about guys that are unproven, but if Alec Golish was Alec Golish was still on this staff, he's one of the first people I would call if I were Northwestern. But Dave, if you're Alex Golish, if you're Alex Golish and Northwestern calls you, are you taking that job or are you staying at Tennessee as an assistant for another year and waiting for a better job to come? Um, you, you don't like the Northwestern job as much as I do. I think it's a, I think it's a better job than you think it is. I think it's a better job in South Florida where it is. I don't think it's a better job in South Florida. I think South Florida, because you can win at a high level at a group of five level in South Florida. And then one of the better power five schools comes calling you go to Northwestern. I, I'm sorry. I think it's a really, really, really bad job. Let me ask you this. Before we get to Caleb Giroux, we're going to have the latest on recruiting, including a pending announcement and a commitment date for one of the top prospects that's on Tennessee's board. 
So let me ask you this. What coach will Tennessee have to replace next? What coach will they have to replace next? Um, Okay, there's a couple that I think you need to watch out for. Um, I think Joey Halsley is just by nature being the offensive coordinator is going to be on that list because Joey Halsley, I mean, every offensive coordinator is going to be that highly touted. But watch out for two. Kelsey Pope, man. Kelsey Pope was Cedric Tillman's. He was an all-field assistant tasked specifically with working with Cedric Tillman in 2021. And Cedric Tillman became a 1,000-yard receiver. Then he was promoted to receiver's coach and coached a Bolitnikoff Award winner. So that's – I mean, we're tra- – and he's, he's – I think he's still in his 20s. So we're talking a very fast rising star. Watch out for Kelsey Pope. He could be the new Trooper Taylor on this staff. And unlike other coaches like Philip Homer, I don't think Josh Heupel will overlook Kelsey Pope. The other one who I think is getting a lot of respect as a recruiter, even if you could, you might question his coaching acumen because he's a running backs coach, but Jerry Mack, the running backs coach, he has a lot of recruiting connections. And if you're a school that, you know, Memphis, just to give you an example, University of Memphis, uh, they Ryan Silverfield might be on the hot seat this year at Memphis. Jerry Mack has a lot of Memphis connections, and he can recruit that area very, very, very well. They wouldn't be crazy to hire him if Ryan Silver if they get rid of Ryan Silverfield after this year. I think the next coach that Tennessee is going to have to replace is probably Rodney Garner. I mean, he is getting a little long in the tooth. I don't have any reason to think he's going to retire at some point, but you would think. You know, he was born, I believe, in uh, 66. So how old did that make him, if you want to do some quick math for me? Um, and he is still a fantastic recruiter, very tireless at his age. So I don't have any reason to believe he's going to retire anytime soon. But he was born in 66. How old he's was that? 50, he's 57 years old. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, he's getting close to 60. I mean, how long do you want to pump it? I mean, you, you really, if you're a head coach, you don't have – nearly as many responsibilities from a recruiting standpoint. So you're, but if you're a staff member, I mean, you know, this day, you know about salaries more than I do, but I mean, he's as a long time, just position coach. Do you make the type of money where you can just up and retire in in your fifties? You know what I mean? I mean, don't you really kind of have to work like regular until you can actually retire at 65? Gravy. I would think that if I were making 400 K that I would be able to, and make some investments and be able to retire by 60. Let's bring in Caleb Giroux now. Let's talk some Cruton. Talking Cruton brought to you by our friends today at Craft Treats. And if you haven't followed it on offthehooksports.com, Giroux has been all on top of it. Hello, Caleb Giroux. How are you? What is up? I'm good. How are y'all? Are you are you going hair gel now or a little something different? You look fantastic. No, it's still wet, but appreciate okay. it. Gotcha. We got a little too much headroom on Drew and no headroom on Calhoun. Are we all trying to be at different levels here? Okay. Sorry, so no, I, I, I was stretching. <laughs> I was stretching my back. Let's bring Jeru's, uh camera down just a little bit. Okay, so um, Tennessee recruiting-wise, give me a big picture right now before I get to – before I ask you about some specific players. And if you want to get on the message board, if you've got players you want to ask about, go ahead and get on board right now. But uh, – Caleb Giroux, uh, what do you make of Tennessee's recruiting and where they stand right now? I think they're around uh, 11th best in the nation, according to 247 Sports. Correct me if I'm wrong, but seems to be going well, especially with a recent pickup of a lineman. Go ahead. 
I agree. I, I mean, they're still trying to jump into the top 10, which is really like the big catapult thing they need to do for this class. But realistically, and surprisingly enough for Josh Heifel's offense, I feel like the main thing this class is missing is wide receivers. And you still have a couple, probably maybe three, if you want to say uncommitted, that have Tennessee in their top schools that we could see here soon. So I think they want another running back, and I think they need to pick up at least – one wide receiver in this class for it to jump into the top 10 and then be what Josh Heifel and his staff want it to be. Okay. So before I get to Amari Jefferson, who has announced uh, when, when he will announce his uh, commitment, he is a receiver at a Baylor in Chattanooga and it's a natural transition, but let me throw this out to both of you guys. Is there a chance that receiver is the one position that Josh Heupel, Caleb, Drew, let me go with you, that Josh Heupel leans on the transfer portal more than any other position because he's got a year to see them in in college football. And he also has something incredibly great to sell. You can step in and be a 1,000-yard receiver in one transition year. Uh, Could this be the position that uh, Josh Heupel most leans on the transfer portal, you think? I think it could be mainly because he probably doesn't want to settle at wide receiver. So you think about other positions, if you can't get the five-star, four-star, and there's a three-star available that you still like, you can pick him up. Josh Heupel probably doesn't want to get a three-star wide receiver, and then you have to make him a project for two, three years when in his offense you need receiver depth and they need to be instant impacts. So I don't doubt that he'll use the transfer portal to pick up wide receivers. We saw him do it with Dante Thornton. And probably at wide receiver that – is not the worst plan if you can't get a good guy at a high school. But I really think it's just about not settling for lower ranked wide receivers. And only he's only getting guys that he wants and can see in his offense. Well put. Uh, I know uh, Caleb wants to jump in. If you've got any prospects again, that you have a question about, put them in the chat and we'll throw them at Giroux and he will have a fantastic answer. So let's go to Amari Jefferson. I've uh, been committed uh, to Tennessee's baseball team since June 2021. On the football side of things, competition is, is a little bit different. Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee, uh, after the four-star wide receiver, those are the top three schools. He set a commitment date for August the 5th. So how do you weigh the the baseball commitment? Is it really anything anymore? Right now, I don't think so. The only thing we could say about the – baseball commitment is just that he enjoys Tennessee's campus enough and the facilities to commit to baseball and we know the athletic facilities overlap a lot for baseball football so I guess you could say that but realistically he's leaning more towards football now and with that August 5th commitment date that'll give him a week so I think he's going to visit Tennessee at least once more and he'll probably go to Georgia and Alabama just to get a last look before he commits on August 5th but with his commitment like you said it's getting a lot more again getting a lot tighter than his baseball commitment was and it seems almost that he's swaying more towards an Alabama or Georgia than Tennessee right now. Before we get to Calhoun, uh, Rocky Top Tom asked, update on Mike Matthews. What can you tell us about Matthews? Yeah, I mean, we could probably see a commitment from Matthews here late July, early August. I'm pretty sure he's a guy who wants to commit before his senior football season to kind of get out the way so he can just play football during his senior year. But he's one of the guys we just talked about where Heupel – is not going to settle for a receiver they don't want. And Mike Matthews is a guy that could probably pick up and put in as a freshman or sophomore. 
He's got a build that fits the offense, 6'1", 180. He's a five-star, really good prospect out of Georgia, the number four wide receiver in this class, and he'd probably be the top prospect in this class at all that could catapult him into the top ten. So Mike Matthews is a guy they want, and he's a guy that they can probably land if they keep recruiting him after this dead period. And I really think they just have to beat out Clemson and USC for him. Uh, before – I want to ask you guys both about a recruiting strategy that I think may be a little bit different. But first, Jaru, I just want to ask you a hypothetical real quick um, because the thing I love about Jaru in his youth is he's not clouded by nostalgia, unlike Dave over here. And so <laughs> – um, Jaru, Goodness. it's a playoff game. And the matchup of the game is an all-pro cornerback versus an all-pro wide receiver. And the all-pro wide receiver gains 192 yards and scores two touchdowns through the air. You'd say the all-pro cornerback played pretty horrible in that game, right? Who won the game? Well, the other the, – the, I mean, the, 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 uh, the quarterback's team won the game, but the receiver he was guarding had 192 yards and a touchdown. Eh. And two touch. excuse me, two touchdowns. You would say they won the game in spite of the cornerback then, right? Eh. I mean, it's hard because the cornerback is not – Believe it or not, no matter how much Jalen Ramsey wants to say it, the cornerback is not the only guy tasked with guarding that wide receiver. Um, well, because in this case, it was he might get good. he might get burned over the top because his safety was sleeping. In this time, in this case, it was the case because Deion Sanders was tasked with guarding Michael Irvin, and he gave up 192 yards and two touchdowns. What an awful game! What an awful game! They, San Francisco beat Dallas in spite of Deion Sanders in 1995. Okay, so. Just want to bring that up. It's the 90, yeah, it's the 94 season uh, pretty torrid comeback. Let me ask you about some of these prospects that you wrote about recently and what Tennessee needs. So you wrote about uh, the interior defensive line, wide receiver who we've addressed, and running back. So let me go with uh, Williams Winery, number three prospect in the nation. What do you think of him? He's I wrote about interior defense because they do have a couple guys on the interior defensive line, but mainly a lot of theirs will end up being edge rushers. So Williams Nowani is a guy who would probably be, like we said before, when Amari Thomas graduates, he would be the guy you fill in because he's just a ready-to-play prospect out of Missouri, 6'5", 250-pound lineman. He's trending towards Georgia and Oklahoma right now. It seems like Tennessee might be third in his recruitment, but he seems like a guy where his recruitment will go long to his football season, so that gives Tennessee a chance to kind of get back in the race for him. And we've seen Josh Heifel use his connections in Missouri and some of his staff use their connections in Missouri as well. So he's the number one lineman out of Missouri, and he could be a game changer if Tennessee picked him up. What about Camarion Franklin, number four, uh, 44th prospect in the nation? Visited Tennessee three times. That has to be a pretty good sign, right? Yeah, and his his recruitment is another one that will probably go into his football season. He's hinted at maybe making a, a decision before but then he locked in an official visit with Auburn for September. So I figure he'll, we'll probably have to wait a little longer for his recruitment. And he's a guy who's probably kept the cards closer to the best. You know, he's out of Lake Corb Morant in Mississippi, which is basically Memphis. So he's a 6'5", 265-pound lineman. He obviously holds Tennessee in high regards. Like you said, he's visited them a ton. But he's got an official plan to Auburn, and that's kind of been, it's kind of been a Tennessee-Auburn thing really with him. So – I'm interested to see where his recruitment goes, and we'll probably find out a lot more about him once the dead period ends and we kind of get into football season. Um, discuss, if you can, along with an update on uh, Braylon Russell, the running back who had been committed to Arkansas, what you think that Josh Heupel's philosophy is in recruiting running backs. 
Yeah, so uh, Peyton Lewis, who's been peer recruiting Braylon Russell, committed since the end of May. He's kind of said that Jerry Mack and Josh Heifel have called him and Braylon uh, Russell thunder and lightning. So speed and then Braylon Russell would kind of be the more third down back with the bigger body. So I feel like that's kind of Josh Heifel's mantra. If you see the last couple classes, he takes two running backs and he's tried to get like a Khalifa Keith where one of them can be a third down back that you can trust to get two, three yards because Princeton fans gone. And I don't think in the future, Josh Heifel wants to rely on his tight end to do that anyway. So I feel like we're going to see Josh Heifel recruit the faster running back like a Peyton Lewis, who's a state champion track runner, and then a bigger guy like Braylon Russell. <clears throat> now Braylon Russell, like you said, was committed to Arkansas, and it seems to be that he's trending back to Arkansas again. So his announcement will come tomorrow, and I, this is probably one of the closer recruitments we've seen in this cycle. But right now I'd probably have to give Arkansas the edge just because he's an in-state guy, and it seems like he's trending back to the Razorbacks. But it's it's – Fifty-one forty-nine right now for him. Wow! And when is that announcement again? That's uh, tomorrow evening. And do you, do we know what time yet? Eastern Standard. Uh, I think it's six or seven. He's going on the two four seven Sports show to announce. So it'll be whatever time that is at. Interesting. So Tennessee could pick up a uh, prospect tomorrow. Other than that, I want to ask you who you feel really good about on Tennessee's board and. Uh, uh, Drew's recruiting update, which is just fantastic, and he's been all over it, is brought to you by our friends at Craft Treats. Go to crafttreats.com, use the promo code off the hook. That's the promo code off the hook. You save 20% on their pet treats, and they also have the chill pills with the CBD that will help with your pet's digestive issues, anxiety issues, or maybe even arthritis. Crafttreats.com, support our advertisers and our sponsors. Crafttreats.com, use the promo code off the hook so Drew, give me three guys that you feel and it, it can be somebody you've already mentioned too that you feel pretty yeah. good will be balls eventually yeah i feel like mike matthews is one of those guys that can be a ball eventually like he's been to campus several times and he's been a guy that is consistently looks like he could be a lock and has consistently talked well about tennessee visited tennessee often and josh eiffel's offense is a very easy thing to recruit i mean you just you just put on the tape and that's it because I mean, you can't really argue with his success on offense his success with wide receivers. He got two drafted. That should be good enough for any wide receiver prospect to want to come. And then I would have to say my next one would be Edwin Spillman. He just recently announced that his top two schools are between Ohio state and Tennessee. Now his might not be as cut and dry as we thought before. It seems his relationship with Ohio state is very tight but his brother's still at Tennessee, still an in-state kid. I feel like that's going to be very hard to pass up to go north to Ohio State. And then third, I'll go with, this is probably the most, this is probably the farthest reach of the three, but I'd say Camarion Franklin, just because his relationship with Rodney Gardner and some of the defensive staff is very strong right now. He's basically an in-state kid, you know, 30 minutes south of Memphis, and he's been to Tennessee several times. And I feel like for him, if you can play in Tim Bakes defense, which will be, you know, for defensive linemen, you put your foot in the ground and you get the quarterback. Or if you can go to Hugh Freeze and Auburn, which we have no idea what they'll look like, I feel like Tennessee will probably be the way he'll sway. Gotcha. Can I ask a recruiting right. strategy uh, to both you guys real quick? What y'all think? Yes, I did want to make one reference to see if I could test Caleb and show my – or Calhoun and show my age at the same time. Is Camarion Franklin at all related to Abreo Franklin? Do you remember that name, Calhoun? Oh, wow. Wasn't that – wasn't he on the 2002 front four? Man, Calhoun, I hate you. You, you, you remember guys I covered better than I do. 
right, get your recruiting uh, philosophy here. Okay, so you guys talked about maybe Heichel would do the transfer portal to get wide receivers because that because you know he doesn't want to settle for projects, and I would agree. But I, I wonder what if the reverse happens now? What if because Tennessee is such an attractive place to play receiver in the age of NIL? Do you think it's possible that Heupel can just easily now get like three, four, five-star receivers every year in his recruiting class and not even have to use a lot of NIL money because, let's be honest, receivers are going to come to Tennessee regardless of NIL because they realize that will put them in the NFL. And then they can use that NIL money to go after a lot of transfers at the offensive line position or the defensive line position where he may not be as – where he may struggle a little bit more to recruit. Could it possible he does that strategy? I think they have to beat Alabama and Georgia a couple years before that to actually take place. I think he has to be more solidified. Because right now you still see, like in Amari Jefferson, where he's trending towards Alabama and Georgia, even though he is a wide receiver, and we have no idea who's playing quarterback for Alabama or Georgia in the future. So I feel like maybe in the future, yes, you know, three, two, three, four years down the road. I just don't think they're there yet. We also haven't seen – the wide receivers, they've gotten drafted, yes, but they haven't had success in the NFL. So it's easy to say you put wide receivers in the NFL and they haven't played a snap yet. So I feel like in a couple years we could see that maybe, but also in a couple years they could have so much NIL money it doesn't matter and we're having a conversation for no reason. Great stuff. He's Caleb Giroux for Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. We'll have the latest on uh, potential Tennessee commitment on offthehooksports.com. Thank you, Giroux. Thank you. I caught you mid-sip. What are you drinking there? Uh, Bloody Mary? Uh, just some some water. Okay. All right. That's good. Well, I know you're a Louisiana cat, so I know how you LSU guys can party, so I always wonder. All right. For Jeru Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker off the Oak Sports.